Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, Bedrock. Happy Easter and Resurrection Sunday. How's everybody doing? All right, my name is Blake. If we've never met before, I'm one of the pastors here at Bedrock, and I am excited that you're here with us this morning. Uh, Last night, we had an incredible night with families just coming out. If you are a guest with us, welcome. We're glad that you decided to join us this morning, and uh, we would love to get to know you. So outside, there's connection cards for you by the welcome desk, and we also wanted to let... Thank you, John. We also wanted to let all the families know, uh, right outside by the welcome desk, there's uh, a wreath, and there's a place for you to take family pictures. We'll have someone out there for you that we can just get a nice snapshot. Um, You know, if you guys don't know me, I don't normally wear this. My son actually, uh, I went into Kids Rock and said hi to him. I hadn't seen him yet this morning. And he said, what are you wearing? (laughs) And he's like, what's that called? I was like, it's a suit. And he's like, do you wear that? Have you ever worn that before? Um, He's three. And so... uh, Yeah, you got to get suited and booted for Easter, right? And so... um, but I'm excited. So go get those pictures, be a part of that. Uh, and we had a great sunrise service this morning, just out front in a pancake breakfast. And so uh, I preached that this morning. It's just been a good morning to celebrate. You know, it's been a good time for us to come together. And as Christians, this is the biggest day of celebration there is. Like this is it. And so that's why the songs we sing are celebratory. Everything about this day is all about worshiping and praising Jesus. But this morning, I'll explain. Everyone's wondering, why are all these suitcases here? They, they have a purpose here this morning. Don't worry, I'll explain it to you. But this morning, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to be can, like looking at this story, and maybe from a different place than where you normally look at the story from. You know, Easter messages, sometimes, like if you just come on Easter, you kind of hear the same message every year. And so I thought, man, what do I want to say, and, and what does God want us to say this morning as we get ready to hear his word and his truth? So I'm going to just pray real quick, and then we're going to jump right into the message this morning. Would you join me? Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your word and your truth. We thank you that your word abounds in our lives. And so God, today, thank you for writing your story down. Thank you for allowing us to see all that you have for us. And God, thank you today that we get to celebrate what to the world seems so peculiar. We are celebrating the death, but not just the death, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so God, above all else, besides everything else that happened here today, may you be heralded and worshiped as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God, would you anoint this time? Would you be with us? Would you let all distraction depart from us in this moment? We love you in Christ's name. Amen. Well, a few years ago, um, I don't know if you've ever walked into a moment where you just didn't want to be there. You just, something had happened. There was a a moment or a part of your life that had not gone the way that you expected. And a few years ago, um, it's not just a few, it's probably about 10 years ago now, uh, I was up at college and I was flying, I had to fly back last minute because my grandfather was passing away. And so my mom called me. I was in the middle of a class, and uh, she called me, and she said, hey, listen, your pap, he is not doing well. He is going to die in the next few days. We need to get you home. So I just got up out of class, left, uh, went and packed a quick bag, and went to the airport that my mom had ordered a ticket for me last minute. And I got home, and I arrived back here in Sarasota around 10.30 p.m., 
and drove directly from the airport to my grandfather's house. And when I got there, um, hospice was there. They, you know, he passed away at home. And so when I walked into the door, uh, my grandfather opened his eyes for the last time. I got to say goodbye to my grandfather. And then early the next morning, we were all at the house and he passed away. And uh, my grandfather was tremendously important to me. He really encouraged me in my walk in the ministry. He encouraged me in my life. He was really one of the people I felt like was in my corner the most in life. And so when he passed, we, you know, we go through all the funeral and we, we go through everything. And a couple days later, my mom says, hey, listen, I need your help. We need to go back to your grandfather's house and help your grandma. Like, you know, she has flowers. She has all of these things. And we need to go and help her. And I'll just be honest with you, I didn't want to go back. There's nothing in me that wanted to go to this place of, like for me, such disappointment. I didn't want to head back and go into a house and remember, oh yeah, Pap's not going to be here. And so I begrudgingly went because I needed to help grandma. I needed to help her out. I needed to help her pack some things. And she's dealing with the loss of her husband. And, and so we went. But I don't know if you've ever been there in, in life, but there's like this fog that kind of overtakes you after these traumatic events that we experience. And so it, it, I was so hesitant to go and see the house and go back to this place where I had incredible memories, but also really hard memories. There was a lot of hurt for me in that moment. And I don't know about you, but maybe you're dealing with hurt. Maybe you're dealing with something in your life that you're questioning everything. Like maybe you just barely made it here. You're just here because of tradition. You're like, you know what? We go to church on Easter, right? That's what we do. And I don't really want to go, but I'm going to go. But I really believe God has all of us here for a purpose this morning. And we're going to take a look at this story of the resurrection from maybe a different point of view because I think that there's some really human things going on in this story that a lot of us deal with. And so let's start here, Luke chapter 24, verse 1. If you have a Bible with you, open up there. If not, we have free Bibles outside. That's our gift to you. You can just go grab as many. You can take all of them, okay? They're just a gift to you, okay? If you don't have a Bible with you, you can open it up on your device, or you can follow us on the screens. But listen to what the Word of God says in the Gospel of Luke. Now, I want to catch us up here on 24 because we have a big transition in the story. What's just happened previously is Jesus has died. Now, if you know the story of Jesus and you know like how this event took place, we know that Jesus resurrects on the first day of the week. That's our Sunday. Okay, that's today. And so we know that if you know, are familiar with the story, Jesus died a few days ago. But Jesus died at a time on Friday when at sundown in the Jewish tradition that celebrated this thing called Shabbat. Shabbat literally means Sabbath, right? This was established in Genesis at creation that on the last day you shall rest, you shall do no work. Well, this meant something for the disciples and it also meant something for the burial of Jesus. So after Jesus dies, this guy named Joseph of Arimathea, he's this rich guy, he has a tomb in this area, and he decides like, hey, I want Jesus' body, and we want to bury him properly. We don't want him buried like a criminal, like he was killed. And so they, Pilate gives Joseph his body, and Joseph and others go and begin to bury Jesus. The problem is they were running out of time because at sundown starts Shabbat, starts this Sabbath, and you're not allowed to do any work. 
And so just think about this for just a second. You, you just have put your hopes and your dreams and your life into this person who has just been traumatically killed in front of you. And all of your hopes and all of your dreams and everything that you thought was possible and everything that you thought he was going to do are gone. I mean, just a week before this, Jesus is riding into Jerusalem with palm branches waving, Hosanna, Hosanna, right? He is being worshiped as a king, and by the end of the week, he's dead. No one expected this. This is traumatic. This is unbelievable. Maybe you're in that moment right now in your life. Maybe, like, you woke up today, and what started a week ago, it's totally different right now. You don't know what's going on and why it's going like this. And for so many of the disciples, I am sure that this week did not end the way they thought it was going to. See, they thought that Jesus was going to come in to Jerusalem and start a kingdom. Well, he is starting a kingdom. It's just not the one that they thought. And so Jesus is establishing a much better kingdom. They thought Jesus was coming in to destroy the Romans. Jesus goes, the Romans aren't a big deal. There's a bigger enemy in your life, and that's the one I've come to destroy. Its name is sin and death, and that's the kingdom I've come. I've come to establish the kingdom of God, and I've come to rescue you from your greatest enemy, and your enemy isn't the Romans. Your enemy is much bigger than that, much worse than that, and much harder to kill than that. And so Jesus enters in, and if you follow the story, Jesus really is crowned as a king, right? They put a plaque over his, his cross that says, here is the king of the Jews. He is lifted high on a throne on a hill. And what else does he wear? He wears a crown of thorns, which takes us all the way back to Genesis, that a result of sin would be that the earth would bring forth thorns. It signified that Jesus was wearing and establishing and healing what had been broken thousands of years before that. And so he is a king, and he does establish a kingdom, and he does all of these things, but it wasn't the way that everyone expected it. Just like with my pap, I thought I would have a few more days. I thought I might just have a little bit more time. But the week ended much differently than I thought it would. And so in this story, we're going to jump right into this moment where Jesus is resurrecting. We're jumping into today. Well, we're celebrating this morning. So Luke chapter 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, Sunday, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. That's why we do sunrise services. It's not because we're so excited to worship we get up before the crack of dawn. It's because Mary and others were going to the tomb to finish the work that they couldn't get done on Friday. Think about that. Mary and the others are going back and walking towards their dread. They're walking back to an unfinished work where they're going to go into a grave again and experience trauma again and see their slain Savior again so that they can bury him properly. How many of us feel like right now in our life we're just walking towards doom? We're just walking towards a dark place that we don't want to be in. And I feel like the last couple years in this world has been like that. It's like everything that we're walking towards seems like it's, it's there to consume us. It's there to overtake us. It's there to dominate us. And for Mary and the other women walking to the tomb to finish the burial of Jesus out of respect, they were walking towards their misery. They're bringing the spices and they're bringing this moment and, and they are going to finish the job. But when they get there, things aren't as they expect. 
Verse 2, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But they, when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Oh, it's getting worse. Someone has now stolen Jesus. Right? Like, not, it's, it's from bad to worse. I'm already walking towards my doom. I'm already walking to this situation that I don't want to be in. But I'm going to go do the right thing. It's like me with my pap. I didn't want to go to the house, but I needed to finish the job. And then you get there in this stone, which could not be rolled away by a single person, which Roman guards were guarding, is rolled away. And their Lord and their Savior and their teacher and their friend is gone. Could you imagine the devastation that they felt? It's just like piling on. And they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, verse 4, while they were perplexed about this. Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? This is getting crazy. So these two guys showing up in like ultra neon show up and how'd you get here? It doesn't matter, right? And they're like, why are you, what do you, why are you looking for him? I'd be like, because he's gone, like he was dead, and he's my friend, and my Lord, and my Savior, and a person I love, and I came here to finish the job, and I'm already upset, and I'm already mad, and now I'm triggered, right? That's a modern word, and like, I, I am living my trauma. This hurt is so bad. And they say this, why are you looking for the living among the dead? I don't know about you, but have you ever been in so much hurt that you don't actually hear what people say? You've you've been in this moment that that, that can can, can begin to steal from you and, and steal your understanding. And so let me just tell you something about hurt. Hurt hangs on. Hurt will hang on to you. Hurt in this moment is hanging on to them. They're already in this place where they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know why it's happening this way. And they go to finish a job that they don't want to do. But they need to. And out of honor and respect for Jesus. And they get there and their hurt is still hurting. And it's still worse. And it's like cutting a new wound. And it's hopeless. And their hurt is hanging on. And then the, no one said, the text never says that they were like, where'd you get those threads? Where'd you get that clothes? Why are you shining? Right? Like, what's, what you got going on? Right? Like, I think I'd ask that. You're glowing. What's happened to you? Right? They just, these guys say, hey, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Let me just ask you in this moment. See, that, that word, the Bible says that they were perplexed. Right? That word literally means that they lost their way. You ever felt that way when you've been in trauma and hurt? Like you feel like you've lost your way, the world's upside down, and you don't know what's going on. Have you ever been in that moment where something so terrible happens and someone speaks to you, but your mind's in a different place because you've lost your way, and they say something, and you're like, sorry, what, what did you say? Like, what, what, huh? Because your mind is somewhere else as you're dealing with the loss of this moment. See, and for so many of us, like, they they could not go, and they were in their hurt. And because they're in our hurt, they were afraid of being disappointed again. Right? Like, you think that they would hear, like, hey, what did you just say? Why would I look for the living among the dead? Could you explain shining person? What does that mean? But see, their hurt was hanging on. 
And because their hurt was hanging on to them, they were not able to see what was going on. And so let me ask you right now, what hurt is in your life that's causing you not to see what's happening right in front of you? Because your hurt is holding on to you. And so you're perplexed. You're not sure what God's doing or why he's doing it. And why is like what's happening across the world happening? And why does this go on? And why did this happen to me? I just don't get it. I feel like I've lost my way. But see what happens here. Verse 5 says this. And they were frightened and they bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Sometimes when God is doing something in our lives, we are afraid because we don't understand what's happening. And how many of us know when we're hurting, you get afraid that more hurt is coming. And so you just don't see what's actually happening in front of you. You don't see the miracle that's going on. See, then when we are scared and perplexed and disappointed and fearful, our hurt has a way of holding on to us and we are trapped. So let me ask you, church, where are you trapped today? You're living a Friday life. You're living a death of Jesus life that you feel like somehow your hurt is going to overcome you when Jesus can overcome your hurt, your disappointment. And you may not see and understand what Jesus is doing now, but when you look back, you see all that God has done. You know, hindsight's 2020. How many of us can look back at our life and look back at moments where Jesus did something so miraculous in our life? That we can see what God is doing. I was talking to somebody this week. They got a really bad diagnosis. But the diagnosis was caught early. You know why it was caught early? Because they got an infection. And when they got an infection, the doctors began to treat the infection. But because they didn't want this infection to come back, they kept testing their blood. And three months after they got their infection treated, their PSA levels went through the roof, which is an early sign of cancer. You know what the person said? Thank God I had that infection. Thank God that now I know early that I may have cancer because I went through a trial and hurt in something a few months ago that I did not understand. But now looking back, I see your purpose and your way and all of this goodness. See, God can be doing a miracle right in front of you and you're missing it because you're viewing the world through the lens of your hurt. And so what happens in this moment is these, the angels begin to talk to the women and they say this, verse six, it says this, he is not here. Like they get real clear. He's not here. And they're like, where'd he go? He's risen. He is alive, right? He has come back to, to life. And it says this, remember, everybody say, remember. Oh, here we go. How he told you why he was still in Galilee, that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day, rise. Jesus prophesied about his own resurrection and told them in the midst of goodness what was going to happen to help them in the midst of the storm. But how many of us know that not only does our hurt hold on to us, but our hurt hides hope? Notice what the angel said to him. He's not here. He's risen. He's alive. Remember? 
Remember what Jesus told you back in Galilee when things were good, when everything was okay, when life was okay? Look at this. Guys, we're going to open up the Bible here. John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. This is a different gospel, but it's early on in the life of Jesus. It's actually during the first miracle of Jesus. Look at what the Bible says. John chapter 2, you guys might know the story. It's the, uh, the wedding, of the Cana, at wedding at Cana of Galilee. And it, listen, the celebration that they're celebrating in Jesus' first miracle happens on the third day of the wedding. You think God's sending a little bit of a story like, hey, it's going to be the third day and the third day is going to be about partying and celebration and remembering and we're celebrating a wedding and what happens to us as God's church when we believe in Jesus Christ, we're referred to as the bride. And the moment that you and I believe in Jesus Christ, the bride is brought back with the groom and we live in peace with Jesus Christ and we live as one with Jesus Christ. And so God told a different story. They just didn't catch it yet. But look at what happens in John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. Jesus is in this moment where he goes and celebrates at a wedding on the third day. Third day, Jesus rises. Third day is about unity. Third day is about perfection. Third day is about all of these things. And then what happens? Jesus goes into the temple and cleanses the temple because the religious people miss what Jesus is actually doing. And while he's there, he says this. Verse 18, so the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Jesus says, you want to know the sign? You're going to try to destroy this temple, and in three days I'm going to raise it up. And they go, you're going to build a whole building in three days? And Jesus says, no, I'm going to establish a whole kingdom. See, they all thought they're ta he's talking about the temple, the physical building. And Jesus goes, no, you're going to destroy this temple. And in three days, I'm going to rise again. They missed it completely. And so how many of us know that hurt has a way of hiding the hope that you actually have? Notice that no one in the story who had hung around with Jesus for the past three and a half years goes, hey, do you remember what he said in Cana of Galilee? That he would die at the hands of evil people and he would raise again on the third day guys we still got time but the hurt that they had experienced the disappointment that they had experienced had a way of stealing their hope like you and I know this have you ever heard something that you didn't think that you needed at the time but God definitely had it for you later Maybe it's a promise that was given to you. Maybe it was a word that you read. Maybe it was something of someone coming into your life and telling you something incredible. But at the time, it didn't make sense to you, so you kind of forgot about it. Have you ever had that moment? Maybe like that's you right now. Like God has said things to you, and as you're hearing this message, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, remember? Remember? Some of us in here right now are just struggling with, am I even saved? Do I, like, have I been really rescued by Jesus? And God's going, remember the day? Remember the time? Is it all going to work out? Is it going to be okay? Are my relationships going to be restored? Is my life going to be okay? God, have you abandoned me? And he goes, remember? Remember? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm not going anywhere. See, God has a way of reminding us of exactly what we need at the exact right moment. God just chose some angels, which literally means messengers, to come and deliver the good news. Hey, do you remember what happened in Galilee? Do you remember what he said? He said that his body would be destroyed and on the third day he was coming back. Mm 
He's not here. He's risen. And at this good news, there is this moment, but, but notice that their hurt hid that from them until it was revealed. And maybe God's revealing to you something right now. Right now, God's revealing his truth, his word, his right. Just listen, keep digging in. Stay with me for just a few more minutes because here's the deal. How many of you know when you get good news, you go tell people about it, right? Like I joined a gym. I love it. I tell everyone about it. I don't even really know the proper name of it. It's either EOS or EOS. I don't know, but I go there, right? And I love it. And I tell everyone about, oh man, you got to check out this gym. Let me tell you the good news, right? Like life is good. Do you know that that word that we use for gospel, which is the life, death, burial, and resurrection, is this word that literally means the good news. So when we say gospel, what we're saying is we got some good news for you. We got some really good news for you. And today we're celebrating that good news because it's exactly the same message that the angels delivered. He's not here. He's alive. He is risen. Some of us are living as if God is still in a grave. The hurt has caused you to disbelieve. You're like, I don't even believe in God anymore. This is, there's no way that this is possible. You know why you're saying that? Because you've dealt with some hurt and disappointment. You know, God, maybe God didn't answer that prayer the way that you wanted, and so he might as well be dead. It's just too much hurt. Have you let God work out the miracle yet? Have you let God continue to complete the sentence? Is the thing that you prayed about, was there a period at the end of that or a comma? Is there more to come? Because I'm telling you, if you ain't dead, he's not done, so there's more to come. And so Luke chapter 10, Luke 24, verse 10, listen to what the Bible says here. Now, it was Mary Magdalene. Anyone know Mary Magdalene? There's a lot of Marys in the Bible, right? You get confused. You're like, Mary was here and there and everywhere. There's a lot of Marys, okay? There's a, it's like John. There's a lot of Johns, right? So now there's Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, another Mary, Mary the mother of James, and other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Verse 11, but these words seemed to be, seemed to them an idle tale. Anyone in here ever thought that? That story of God raising from the dead? That's just a, that's just a fairy tale. The people in the Bible believe the same thing as you. The guys who hung out with Jesus and watched him do miracles and feed people and heal people and raise people from the dead, because the hurt was so real and the disappointment was so palpable, they thought that this was a tale. They thought that this was a story. So they went and they tell them, but verse 11 to the apostles, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter... Good old Peter. Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Everybody responds to their hurt differently. And you probably find yourself in one of these categories. You can identify with one of these people. But I want to like let you off because the enemy's going to say, how could you disbelieve? How could you not believe? Eleven of the disciples don't believe. Right? Like they don't believe the news. They had just, like, these are the best of the best, the cream of the crop. And Jesus is batting like 10%. So let yourself off the hook a little bit. 
Like, I understand you have hurt and disappointment, and you're not sure about this stuff. Neither were they. Neither were they. And so what happens? There's, there's really three ways that you and I can respond to the good news. There's three ways that you and I can respond, and hurt for a lot of us is going to dictate how we respond. So what's the first way? Mary, the Marys and Joanna, they believe and they spread the word. Instant. They're like, I'm in. This angel showed up. He's talking to me. He reminded me what happened in Galilee. Oh, we're in. I got to tell the good news. I, like, I got to get there. I got to tell these guys. But they didn't experience what Mary, the Marys and Joanna and the other women experienced at the grave. And so the good news seemed like an idle tale. That literally means delirious chatter. This is what the disciples thought. You crazy. What was in that tomb? When you opened it up, some kind of gas came out. You all are crazy. You, okay, so you're telling me you, the tomb was open. You went and looked. He's gone. And then these two guys in dazzling clothes showed up, and they told you all of these things. Okay. You ever been that good? Bless your heart. Okay. <laughs> Bless your heart. Praise him. Praise him. Let's, can I, security? Security, this, okay. We got a crazy person on our hand. But why? Sometimes the news sounds too good to be true. You're telling me that he's alive? No. You're delirious. You're drunk. You're high. There's no way. You're crazy. Don't do this to us. We can't do this anymore. It's over. We all left our lives. We all left our jobs. We all left our homes. And it just didn't turn out the way we thought. So just stop. Just stop. See, for so many of us, the 10, I believe, didn't believe because of disappointment, fear. It's too good to be true. Anger. How many of us just don't want to believe the truth because you're angry at the way it's working out right now? You're sick of it. Why didn't you do it that way? Why this way? Why did you have to die? Why couldn't you just like have spoken a word and all the Romans die and you sit on a kingdom here? Because they didn't understand God was doing something greater. Because if he killed the Romans but didn't defeat sin and death, they'd all still have a problem. There was another ruler coming for them. And its name is sin and death. And so Jesus had to do the greater work, even though they didn't understand, even though he tried to tell them along the way. What about this? Hopelessness or maybe shame? Shame just has you and is controlling you. And it just has this way of weighing you down and you don't feel like you can get out of this. And so there's no way. So you find yourself with the 10. I understand. I get it. I, I can understand how hard that would be. But then there's the third way to respond. And it's Peter. And I think Peter responds the way that he does because of what had just happened before Jesus died. See, if you're familiar with the story, Peter is in this moment, and, and Peter, he goes, man, I'm gonna, I'll go with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight everybody. I'm going to do all this thing. And Jesus goes, hey, man, I don't mean to burst your bubble. I love your enthusiasm, but I'm just going to let you know that before the morning comes, before the roaster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. You're, you're like the hurt that you see me going through will be too much and you're going to deny me. 
And how many of us, like, could you imagine how Peter would feel that you denied your Lord and your Savior three times, to, like almost to his face? I mean, I don't know if you guys have like, had people pass away in your life and you wish you could have done something different. You wish you could have said something different. You wish you could have responded in a different way. You wish you could have been more loyal or kind or generous or whatever that may be. I bet you Peter lived with that a lot. And so Peter hears of a second chance. He's alive? Okay, I might have an opportunity here. I might be able to go and see him. I might be able to speak to them. I might be able to go. I might be able to find out. And so Peter runs to Jesus. Maybe that's just the news you need to hear this morning. Through all the hurt, through all the things, maybe you feel like you failed God. Maybe you feel like all of the, like you're angry, not just at him, but at yourself. And you just need to hear that there's a second chance. You need to hear that he's not in a grave, that he is alive and he is reigning and he is ruling and you can go and run to him. And so what happens in this moment is as the story ends at the end of the gospel in Luke chapter 24, 45 to 53, please just stick with me in this last point. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ, that means the Savior would, should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his names to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my, my Father upon you. That's the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Verse 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them, and he was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. All those ten guys that couldn't believe the good news of the gospel, Jesus shows up so many different times. And here, I think that this is total evidence that something happened to them. All of them die horrific deaths for their faith. Something happened to them. And so here's what I want all of us to hear today. Your hope is alive. Your hope in this moment is not dead and in a grave and was not buried a long time ago. He is alive. And today is the day where we remember and celebrate that. And I will end with this as we get ready to end this morning. We go to Israel a lot. Um, we get to take tours. If you ever want to come on a tour with us, I'd love to take you to the Holy Land. We're going in October of this year, actually. But the last day of every tour, I take our groups to two places. We go to the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, and then we go to this place called the Garden Tomb. At the Church of the Holy Sepulcher is this traditional spot where they believe Jesus was crucified and was buried. And then there's this tomb in this garden now that has a Cairo, which are the first two letters of Jesus' name in Greek, over a tomb that's empty. No one's ever been buried in it. And so there's a lot of debate in scholarship and in people like which, which place is the traditional burial place of Jesus. And while we're in that garden tomb, it's a lot quieter. We take communion. Uh, we, we, we begin to celebrate. We get ready in all of these things. And we talk about this moment. And as we stand there and we're worshiping and we're praising, I said, you know, there's a lot of debate around which place is the right place. 
And the reason that there's a lot of debate around which place is the right place is because we don't know the place. It's the only thing that I'm so thankful for that we don't know without a shadow of a doubt. Because the reality is, is why remember a place where he isn't? You're telling me that the guy who changed the entire calendar of the world, the guy who is the most famous, the number one selling book in the world every year is the Bible. The guy who shook the major world religions and governments of the time. You're telling me that we don't know where he was buried when the Romans knew where he was buried and were guarding his tomb. This all takes faith to believe, but man, it's not blind. Your hope is alive. It is risen because there isn't a place to go visit anymore. There isn't a good place to go worship anymore because he's not there. He is the risen Lord. And so let me just tell you how this may work out practically in our lives. I'm going to explain to you. I have a little bag of money here. So if you're new to our church, you may not know, in May, we're heading to Poland. We are going to work with Ukrainian refugees in Warsaw, Poland. There's a church there that we're going to be partnering with. They've already housed 1,600 people. And so we're just going to, like, whatever they need. They need us to cook food, we'll cook food. They need us to clean the church, we'll clean the church. They need us to talk to people through their trauma, we have trauma counselors going. We have, hopefully, some medical people going. We're taking a small team. But, you know, sometimes when you're in a hopeless situation, and I I just felt like God had called us as a church to go. And so I said to our church, hey, if you want to go on May 1st to May 6th, and some are going to stay a little bit longer, let me know. Not having any money, I said, look, hey, if you're going to go, you might have to pay your whole way. We're going to have to buy our own tickets. We're going to be staying in these hotels so we don't take rooms from refugees. But you just got to be ready to go. Well, when you say yes to God in the hardest of situations, even when there's no hope and you're trying to help hurt, God has a way of answering. And so in this bag is some money. And this money is from a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. A seven-year-old and a nine-year-old who do not attend our church heard somewhere along the way that what we were doing, they immediately went and began to sell things, began to host fundraisers, and they called their grandma, and they said, we don't got enough money. Grandma, pitch in. (laughs) Grandma pitched in. And I'll tell you, this is going in the offering bucket, and this will be sent to Samaritan's Purse who has a field hospital in Ukraine right now. Because seven and nine-year-olds don't have enough hurt in their life yet to doubt God. Let's make our way over here. So, these bags, all of them, and there's more to come at Gulfgate Elementary, right? More? Two more loads like this. So just imagine. This is all people who really don't attend our church that have all packed bags full of clothing for kids and for adults and for people who lost everything because we believed in the hope of the risen Lord. And all these bags represent hope that's going to be delivered into a very dark place of the world where they believe maybe God left them. God's abandoned them. All of this is, we haven't advertised this. We haven't done anything else, but in this moment said, hey, we're going to go and God answered the prayer. Last bit of the story. Last week, I was in my office. Um, I'm, I moved on Friday, so great timing. And um, 
I'm in my office, and the admin, Teresa, comes up and says, hey, Pastor Blake, there's somebody here to see you. And I was like, I don't have any appointments today, but okay. So I walk outside, and there's a police officer. And I was like, who did what? That's what I said. I walked out. I said, who did what? He said, no one's done anything. Are you going to, to Poland? I said, yeah, yeah, we are. He goes, yeah, I've heard about you and heard about your church. Our church and my wife and I would like to uh, participate. And I was like, oh, what, what do you mean? And they're like, well, we can't go, but we'd like to participate. And I was like, okay. And he's like, we'd like to give a gift. No problem. Let's go get an envelope. There's a box in the back that's locked. I don't handle money. So it goes in there. And then our accountant and our, our elders deal with that. And I said, go, you know, go ahead. As I'm talking to this police officer, he, I'm, I'm, you know, he's writing the check. And he's like, who do I make it out to? I'm like, Bedrock Church, Sarasota. And he writes the check for $10,000. And because of that, we can now send people, take care of financial needs while we're there. And at this point, we've raised about $15,000 to go. All because our hope rose again. Because we cannot take any credit for the miracle that has happened because it's 100% God. And I've been disappointed before and things haven't worked out before. But we're not going to let our hurt any longer stop us from him. And so as the band comes up, we're going to worship one more time and we're going to praise him, not just for these things, but let me just ask you this morning, where do you need to believe God again? Where do you need to trust that there's an empty grave and a risen savior? And what hurt do you need to allow him to heal? Because what happens to all these people, although their hope seems to be dashed and all of these things begin to happen in their life, God showed up in a miraculous way. And maybe today is the day he showed up in your life and he showed up in a way you weren't expecting this morning. But here's the deal. He rose again so that you and I could be healed. He rose again so you and I could be saved. He rose again. So our hope is not just in a person, but a risen Lord and Savior who is alive. And right now at this very moment, as we testify to who he is, he is interceding on our behalf to the Father. And he's seated at the right hand of God right now. And you know why he's sitting? Because the work's done. It's completed. It is finished. And for you and I, it's so simple what we can do. There's not works. There's not things that we need to do. There's nothing to do but to believe. And you say, it's too good. But his word just says that. And the Bible says that whoever would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord and Savior and that he died and he rose again. And we confess that and believe that for our own life. And we accept that free gift that he's given us. The Bible says this, you will be saved. And so church, I don't know about you, but there's nothing I could have done to save myself. I needed a rescuer. Thanks be to God, he sent Jesus Christ into this world to overcome our greatest enemy, sin and death. And let me tell you this, because our hope is not built in an outcome, we will never be hopeless if we have Jesus Christ. Because he's alive and he's reigning right now. 
Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.